Hello, this is Tom Edmonds, the director of Dead in a Week or Your Money Back, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to another divine episode of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is destined to save the world. I'm your host Craig and I'm here to bring you a discussion on the Marvel TV series Cloak and Dagger. But first, a word from another hero to tell you about Edinburgh Comic Con. Hey there, true believer. This is Captain Justice, Edinburgh Comic Con's very own cosmic crusader and defender of truth and liberty. Many of you may have thought these concepts dead, wiped from reality by the evil Doom Legion. But in truth, they're still alive in the hearts and minds of every good man and woman, ready to be awoken when the time is right. Well, that time is now. On the 6th and 7th of April, 2019, at the EICC in Edinburgh, fans from across the multiverse will gather to get their geek on while meeting stars of film and TV, comic book creators, cosplay as their favorite characters, and basically take advantage of the wonderful opportunities included in the price of their admission. So, don't be a turkey that boasts for Christmas. Get your rights backside to Edmund Comic Con. Because, like that other famous captain, I'm with you to the end of the line. To get that reference, you know, you want me adding something about the, you know, the website www.heroconventions.com or maybe the Facebook or Twitter or you know Instagram, find us all under that, you know? All right, I'm cheers. Thanks, Joe. I mean, Captain Justice. If you want to know more about Edinburgh Comic Con, then go to the website he mentioned. He also has a podcast. All links are in the show notes. I'll be attending the event and presenting a panel on Sunday morning at 11am with Nick, another podcast contributor about fan films. If you're local, then make sure you get yourself along to what promises to be a great event. Now back to the topic. To talk about this, I'll need another half of the divine pairing. So, Andrew... Hello. Hello there. Just give me a second to fully form from the from darkness, darkness and, and the shadows. Now that makes me dagger then. Yeah, well, to be fair, you are much prettier than me. <laughs> and I'm a self-serving con artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, not to alarm you, but since we're a divine pairing, apparently one of us has to die. Hmm. 50-50 chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to keep an eye on you throughout this. <laughs> I'm the one that can manifest night. Although you could teleport me to until the top of a building and throw me off. So, or just up to the height of a building. Yeah. Right. So before we get into that, we will um, start in our first segment. We don't have any qu- we don't have any Q and A's questions for the Q and A because I just didn't go out for any this time. Uh, it wasn't time. So we'll start off with our Neil Before Rise Again segment. <laughs> 
So what would you like to kneel before this particular day? It's actually a slightly older bit, bit of news, um, but, but it, it wasn't too widely reported and it's, it's the first, time, first chance I've had to mention it. And so this is the news um, that Clive Barker's collection of short stories, the, the Books of Blood, are, be, are going, to be, going to be adapted into a TV series. I absolutely love the, like, the, these, these collections because they, they really showcase like, the, the, like, the depraved and inventive nature of, of, uh, of Clive Barker's imagination. And because there's quite a lot of stories in, in the collections, then there's the potential for the, the series to, to go on for quite some time. And there have been a few of them that have been have been uh, ad- adapted previously to a very variable quality. Like on the lower end, there was an eighties monster movie called Rawhead Rex, which is basically about a gigantic penis monster which uh, which runs rampant around the Irish countryside and is defeated by the power of the, of the vagina. But there were some better ones, uh, like like the the Midnight Meat Train, which was which was a, a, a horror movie from about, about ten years ago, uh, which uh, starred Bradley Cooper like like right before he he got famous. And then there's another eighties horror called Lord of Illusions. This is like a horror fantasy thing uh, starring uh, Scott starring Scott Bakula uh, about uh, warring magicians. And one most famously was Cat was Candyman, which is uh, absolutely fantastic horror horror from 1990 starring uh, starring Tony Todd about about this uh, urban legend who manifests in reality and is is sort of a kind of guardian spirit of the housing state. I don't know much about this but uh, I think I've played a video game based on Clive Barker stuff Um, and I'm kind of uh, tangentially aware of some of the stuff that he's been kind of kicking about on Um, so it seemed like only a matter of time before somebody would adapt his stuff, I guess, uh, or adapt more of his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the the the, the thing that he's, he's most he's most famous for um is is the Hellraiser uh, yeah. series of movies. Um, yeah, and like the the first of which was adapted from from a novella of his called the the Hellbound Heart, and subsequent ones, um, just got increasingly. Daft and, and and more depraved and less focused on the actual ideas that he was exploring in the story. Hmm. Cool. And you're looking forward to it. I am. Yes, I have, uh, very, uh, very much so. Yes, yes, and and, and also also with uh, some of the some of the, some of the stories which will be adapted for, for the first time, like uh, one one called uh, Sex, Death, and Starshine, which was <laughs> uh, about about um, an an undead troop troop of um, of of, of tour, touring actors, um, and my fa- my favourite one from the whole collection is called Son of Stelluloid, which is uh, about a sentient cancer tumour, um, uh, uh, which t- t- uh, takes up residence in an abandoned cinema and is and takes on takes on the forms of his like iconic and archetypal images from throughout the whole history of cinema. Nice. It's just mad and cool. great. Cool. I will um, keep an eye out for that then. Um, I'm always eager to see some kind of outlandish horror stuff, you know, so, something that's actually any good because I, f- I feel like that's kind of rare. But yeah, I'm looking forward to having a look at that. Um, my Neil Before is going to be fairly recent. 
Uh, turns out Disney or Marvel, well, they're the same thing, are developing a What If animated series for um, their streaming service. So What If is a series of comics where, you know, it's the... It starts off with the question, what if? What if Peter Parker never got bitten by the spider? What if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? What if Gwen Stacy never died? All that kind of stuff. So basically, it gives the writers a chance to just play around with an idea that is counter to what canon is, um, which is fine. And um, it'll be interesting to see if they can sort of pick apart some major events in the MCU and see how differently it would have went I think from a storytelling standpoint, though, it's kind of a false representation because obviously the the story would never have went so to some extreme ways. Like when, for example, if Gwen Stacy had never died, then apparently Peter would have revealed his secret to her and then his secret would have come out to the public and all this kind of stuff, which, you know, would not have happened. But um, it's just fun. I mean, it's an alternate universe story in a sense. You know, everyone likes alternate universities because it lets you ask the what if question so I'll be interested to see if they can retool the, the MCU events and maybe even get some familiar voice acting back in you know um, I'm not expecting Chris Evans to reprise his role but um, things like I don't know Elizabeth Olsen might that kind of stuff but I can imagine one of the stories will be what if Thor was never banished from Asgard what if Captain America was never frozen etc so I'm interested to see how that pans out. Yeah, actually, that sounds like it could be, like it could be a lot of fun. And, and as you mentioned, like, like there, there's so so much potential to play to play play around with, and so so many different different ways that ways that you that you could do the ideas. I mean, like the only limit for it would, would really be the imagination of the writers. Yeah, um, or lack of imagination in some cases, I suppose. <laughs> more Marvel stuff. This Disney streaming service seems like it's going to be worth an investment. They're just going to keep stuff coming and there'll be a lot of Marvel stuff because obviously there will be. I wonder if we'll get that CW style X-Men high school drama set in the Xavier school. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> I think I think that's one of the things that could happen. Mutant high, you know, that kind of stuff. Ugh. Love triangles abound. Um. So yeah. On to Rise Against. What are you hating against now? I am rising against a YouTube series uh, called Weird City. This is um, a, sci- a sci-fi thing, um, which, 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 which was actually uh, produ- uh, produced uh, by Jordan Peele, who most people are going to be familiar with as the writer and director of Get Out, which was absolutely brilliant. And this series, it's, it's set, it's set in, 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 a, in a city where, which is bisected by by a wall, and where, where rich people live live on one side and poor people live live on the other. And it's basically just just an assortment of stories that are that are trying to be as weird and surreal as possible, just for the sake of it, without actually saying anything, and kind of just being. Stupid. To, to give you an idea of what it's like watching it, like imagine imagine Black Mirror, uh, but um, produced by Adam Sandler. Oh my god! And it, it's it's like it's it's like that kind of it's like that that level of crass lack of imagination. I mean, I mean actually, the, the 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 very first episode of it, I actually has 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 pretty much uh, an identical premise to like to. 
um, to, uh, to 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 an episode of, of Black Mirror. Was it like was was like the 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 one the one the one called uh, Hang Hang the DJ? Yeah, where 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 where, where people are are assigned partners. Um, yeah, we have a, 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 some kind of uh, un, unseen uh, compatibility compatibility. Uh, algorithm. The way that it portrayed the like the, the same ideas was just tedious, <laughs> and and just really not in any way engaging or interesting. I'm very doubtful it'll get it'll get another series, and if it does, I'll just kind of quietly ignore it. It's really weird that YouTube's trying to be a streaming platform in general. I think that because they've got a couple of shows. There's that thing that um, I forget the guys. Oh, it's um. Mathloy, whatever his name is, that guy. Um, yeah, Tom, Tom Felton. That's the one. He was in the. Flash. Yeah, yeah, it was a or- Origin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was actually all right. Um, yeah, yeah. Though, though, though if if I a little familiar, yeah, with like a, a, bu- a bunch of people, uh, um, like on, on, on a spaceship in in deep space, and things go wrong. Mm. Yeah, and it's weird because. <sighs> It doesn't seem to be well advertised that YouTube is a streaming service that you can sort of pay for and watch stuff on. Um, so it seems to be a bit all over the place in terms of what they're actually doing with it. So they're funneling money into TV shows and they're being released, but no one really talks about them. No one really knows about them. It's very strange. They're not a very good streaming server. I'm aware what they're producing is um, is, is sometimes like on, on the front page I'll, I'll notice like a suggested video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll, like, I'll have like, like the title of the series and then like, like, uh, episode one, watch for free. And then and if you like it, you can pay for the, the rest of it. In, I've, I've certainly not seen much advertising or marketing like away from YouTube itself. Yeah. So so I'm really, really not quite quite sure what... what, um, what what their actual strategy is for for actually getting, getting people people to watch this, other than hoping that they'll they'll notice something on on, on the random, random page of YouTube itself. Yeah. Which doesn't which doesn't seem a particularly efficient way of, of marketing something which you if you if you presumably paid a hell of a lot of money to make. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, but the thing you you talked about sounds dreadful, as well. So I'll oh, well I'll never come across it, so I'll be spared it. It's fine. <laughs> Um, so my rise against is that well it was recently announced that Jared Harris is joining the Spider-Man spin-off Morbius I'm not against the Jared Harris thing because I like him although I'm against the fact that they're still making this damn thing like, who wants it I mean yeah. it's it's a story about well, I don't even know what it is about anymore because well I mean Morbius can exist without Spider-Man but it's just a vampire film now like, there's no connection to Spider-Man whatsoever. So, what's your angle here? He's just another tragic guy that's turned into a vampire and doesn't want to be one. And kind of moves between villainy and not villainy. So, we've seen that a lot. I mean, Dracula Untold was that film. <laughs> I like Dracula Untold, as I've said in, yep. in previous bits. But <laughs> um, but that's, that's, your, that's the film. You know, why not just make it about if you want to make this vampire film even though it's really tired make it don't call it Morbius because it's not a big name that anyone's really going to care about it's the same the same kind of kind of thing with Venom just because uh, I, uh, I, I, I with the, the context of Spider-Man like the, the character really d- uh, d- doesn't, doesn't have any, any reason to, to exist 
and every time I see some kind of update about the the Morbius film, I just think, God, are they still doing this? I I just don't care. Yeah. At least with Venom, there was a bit of fan recognition, though. You know, it was a known thing. Um, maybe not as well known as as you might think, but still, you know, the people had heard of him. He'd at least been in a film before. You know, um, there's that kind of cult following that he has. I'm not sure Morbius has that. I, well, I, I certainly don't think so. So Sony are still doing that, so that's a problem. So that's it. That's my rise against. So enough complaining for one day. Uh, we should move on to our actual hey. topic. <coughs> We're here to talk about the... Well, it's been about for a while. The Marvel series Cloak and Dagger. Um... We're talking about now because there's about to be a new series, which I'm kind of excited about. So, um, Yay. without spoiling the the ins and outs of the season, what did you think of the first season, the ten episode inaugural season? I quite enjoyed it. There were a, a lot, a, a lot of really, really good ideas in it. it wasn't really like a, a, a typical, a, a typical sort of, sort of like, like a, a, a superhero or or a comic book style thing. It was a lot more focused on on the on the characters um, as 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 opposed to their abilities. And I quite liked how it was um, incorporating the history and culture of of of, of the setting, like to the point to the point that it became became a major part of the story. Uh, actually, uh, quite quite looking forward to to the uh, second season, just to just to see see how how things develop. Yeah, I thought season one was really strong. Um, it's a kind of different take on the superhero story. The binary protagonist thing was was kind of different to what we'd seen before. As you say, there's less focus on the powers and more focus on the characters, um, which is a brave choice because people might tune into a superhero story to see them do their superhero stuff. And I think there was enough of that, but it was also very much a, um, a beginning for these two characters um, I don't know how well known they are in the public. Probably not that well, but um, I've said they've appeared in cartoons and stuff. Although the audience for this show is skewed a lot older than people that might be watching those cartoons. Apart from you know the people my age that also watch those cartoons, but um, so they've appeared here and there. I think they had a big run in the Ultimate Comics, especially. But the the whole idea about these kind of uh, this superhero couple, so to speak, that that always stick together almost exclusively they don't really work with other people and when they do it's um, you know they're, they're kind of intruding so um, there's very much the beginnings of that dynamic but um, I thought it was really good it was really engaging the setting was good the world building was good yeah there, there was all sorts going on that I really enjoyed um, to say more would be spoiling so if you have nothing else spoiler free we could just leap right in let's do it Right, now we can say whatever we want. So what we'll do is we'll start with the characters. Um, the thing that struck me most was the first couple of episodes, you don't see an awful lot of interaction between the two leads. So what they did was they spent a lot of time building them separately, which is good because, I mean, you see in other shows you have these codependent characters who just aren't interesting on their own. And so whenever they have an episode where they're separated from the other one, they're just really boring because they haven't bothered to flesh them out properly. They avoided this problem by making sure that you got to see the lives of the two characters outside of each other. So they don't even know each other in the first episode, really. And uh, 
I thought it was a great approach. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So, but by by not uh, get, giving them much interaction or, or, or earlier on, then we get we get to know like who 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 they who they are as as individuals first, and we come to to understand like what what's 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 interesting and what's special about about each of them, and so by by the time that they they do start to to start to interact, yeah, and 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 eventually uh, start start working together, then we're, we're able to see how um how how the how those two individ- individualities come to get come together and and start and start to function as a team. So we're still still able to able, able to think of it. To think of them as as two two separate two separate characters doing things together, um, rather rather than some compound entity, um, who who are, are unable, unable to function without the other. Yeah, and it's interesting that they have the same defining, well, the the same defining day in their lives as the rig explosion, and they both lose someone significant to them in that day. So with Tyrone, it's his brother. With Tandy, it's her father. Um, and it's interesting to see how that spirals them off in different directions. So Tyrone had a much more healthy family life that could help him grow up to be well-adjusted, even though they still have that kind of unresolved problem of not knowing who or not having the murderer come to justice hanging over them. It sort of it pollutes their life, but still they are very close, they are very supportive of one another whereas Tandy is the opposite she's you know ran away from home because her mum is a complete mess um, she's learned how to survive on her own she's, she does things that aren't exactly legal or morally correct really but um, immediately that kind of gives you the the contrast and how their upbringings were and it kind of gives you a bit of justification for the where they are in their lives at that point Although that being said, with it being eight years, so what are they supposed to be like eight years old when the rig explodes, something like that? Yeah, I, I was just kind of like uh, quite uh, quietly overlooking that. Yeah, because I mean it's um, not such a problem yeah, for Tyrone because yeah, it's yeah. high school, but Tandy is very kind of sexualized in the way they portray her. Um, but she's only supposed to be what sixteen. That's yeah, awkward. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that was kind of why I was still kind of trying to ignore because otherwise I'd just <laughs> kind of feel yeah, no. Let's let's not go there, kind of thing. Mm. It's the same kind of thing that like, that you see in like countless films and films and, and TV shows of like like a, a girl who's like like twenty or twenty two, just like like like, like uh, pretending pretending to be someone in her mid teens. Uh, even so, just the idea of, of like trying to sort of sexualize people who are who like who are that young, it just really 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 doesn't sit well like with me. I'm not I'm not sure like if you you watch the the, the Riverdale series. No, no, it's actually kind of fun because it's totally it's got so mental. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 but all characters not are meant to be like they're meant to be like sort of sixteen, seventeen, but uh, at the same time, like they all act like adults in very sort of seductive and sexual ways, and it's just weird. Um, things like the OC and uh, One Tree Hill and stuff that was all along those lines. Um, I think with it, if it's well within the high school environment, it's almost like okay, that's how this world is. But it's the fact is, if if Tandy is supposed to be sixteen, and um, no one really reacts to the fact that she's supposed to be sixteen, you know, she goes to all these kind of highfalutin parties trying to rob people, and and anytime she wanders into places, you know, no one really considers. Oh my God, you look very young. Uh, it's I guess it's just a conceit that we're just supposed to accept. Although I wonder why they chose to go with the fact that. They were that age, you know. If they'd been, I think if they were eighteen, you could still have the high school angle, and then 
I mean, I suppose it wouldn't make that much difference. I think like, the decision was to just uh, to have them of like I, I, uh, high school age, just just uh, so, sort of so decided that uh, that, uh, that was uh, that. Uh, that was the that was the every every day that they were that Tyrone was going to have. Yeah. So they they needed to 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 have them be that that young. Well, as you say, there's the sort of no reason why why they why they couldn't have been a bit a bit older. Yeah, it's neither here nor there, I suppose. But the the important thing is you had this event that, that kind of defines her life. So um, Tandy is very much out on her own. I think the the introduction to her, where she's um, trying to, you know, trying to con someone into. Um, is it she's taking his wallet? I think it is in the first episode. Uh, it's, it's a really cool introduction to her. Uh, something like that, yeah. So that was a cool introduction to her because it, it shows you exactly how how wily she is, how you know street smart she is, how easily she can manipulate people. Um, I mean, especially you know, not not to offend my entire gender, but um, a man will be a sucker for a pretty girl. It's just you know, by and large. Um, it's a it's a well known fact. Yeah, it is just like a simple fact. Yeah, um, and the fact is, she knows that and can play on it. So I like I like when she talks to Tyrone about constructing a narrative around you know I want to seem like the victim or the whatever that person needs from them at that point. She's so good at reading people that she can yeah she can understand what it is they're lacking and how best to. Um, how best to manipulate that, and that's before she starts tapping into her powers. And uh, I think I think that that that, that does that does actually actually provide an, an interesting contrast when she does get her powers right and realizes what they are. But so before like uh, she's intuitively establishing what it is that people want, and quite often how, how how they how they see her, and then when she gets better with her powers, she's actually able to like to to like to to to, to literally see what they what they are, what they, and yeah. what, what it is that people want. Yeah, and that sort of later episode where she was stealing people's hopes, you know, because she was sort of regressing because she found out her dad beats her mum, or used to beat her mum, and she was like, okay, well, I have no hope left, so I'm taking everyone else's, which is... Obviously, a bit of a flawed attitude, but that's the whole point. The thing to think about, though, is, is uh, she's 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 somebody who I'm like, like so she's always had like a, a, a quite, seems to have quite a negative and cynical attitude, like like to, to, towards people. Um, so so uh, because because she's somebody who always who is who always uh, uh, see uh, see sees sees the worst in people, and and just assumes quite a cynical cynical attitude. Towards, towards anyone, anyone she encounters, um, it's, it's, like, it's like she's preemptively uh, protecting herself against future, uh, what, what she assumes will, will be an inevitable disappointment, and that's quite a good, uh, good, uh, good, co- a good contrast when when she's afforded the, the ability to see the more positive aspects of, of, of people's thoughts and able to, to see their hopes. Yeah, um, and steal them in in some cases. Hmm. Uh, in terms of Tyrone, I think that it, it's interesting the, how they contrast the the stability of his life versus the fact that you know he's black, and that is a problem in in modern society even to this day because it's just more difficult to get opportunities. It's more difficult to be um, to be accepted. It's more difficult to be taken seriously. All that stuff. Um, there's all that stuff about you know you walk into a police station as a, a black man they'll immediately just 
ignore you, that kind of stuff. You know, they and they tie in a bit of gender roles with Tandy a, a little bit, but um, you know the the argument they have where Tyrone says, "No, no, no, you're white. That means you can walk into any room and you'll be fine." Um, and I think that's a big part of why there's been no justice for uh, Billy's killer as well, um, because oh, absolutely, yeah, because they do struggle to be taken seriously. It's a white man's world, all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously, I, th- I think a lot of people, well, I mean, uh, discuss it on the Supergirl podcast quite a lot. That there's some people that don't like the show, that show, because of the the points they're making about race and and various other political stuff. So, I haven't seen an outcry against this show for that reason. I don't know um, if it's reaching a different audience or if it's not reaching as big an audience or or whatever else. Or maybe this handling of it is a little bit more sophisticated. Um, but it's interesting that it's another superhero show that's tackling those sorts of issues and it's not really coming under fire from people that disagree with the tackling of those issues in your fantasy superhero stuff I think in the case of Supergirl I think I think it is it's partly because because well, I'm assuming it will it will have a much large much larger viewership but also it's addressing the issues like with a complete and utter lack of anything resembling subtlety yeah it's very, very in your face about about the issues that it's addressing, and and it's really just swapping any any um, any any kind any kind of any kind of, any kind of minority just just uh, just just for 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 aliens, and uh, putting that forward as as an allegory for it. Whereas with Cloak and Dagger, it is addressing the, the same issues, but it's more organic like the way the way that it does it when those issues are, are brought up like it's, it's done as as part of the situation and, and, part, and part of the story like at, at that particular moment and it's it's, it's not it's not the the bill and, and end all of he's talking about yeah I, and i think because it's a bit less in your face than the people who like to pretend that like that, that these kinds of things aren't aren't a, 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 a serious issue um as are 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 able just to to accept them uh, within the context of, of the show and and not and not feel like they're being preached at. Yeah, I think the the difference is it's part of the background rather than the foreground. So this is very much about Tandy mm. and Tyrone, and that's just kind of part of what they experience on a day to day basis. But whereas in Supergirl, the uh, to use the example, um, it's what it's what the season is about. It is about that racism. It is about that division. Whereas it's not so much. It's just kind of there, um, and it's something they they have to consistently deal with. Um, and I like that part of it, like the the bit where he wanders in and, and claims that someone stole his bike, just so he could you know have a look around inside and whatever. Um, and it was just yeah, they'll they'll accept it if you tell them that your bike was stolen, uh, even though that you know they're predisposed to kind of not help you, but. But just tell them that anyway, because it's a way in. Um, stuff like that. But I think uh, more interesting about Tyrone for me is kind of, at least in terms of his home life, is the fact that he feels like he has to be both brothers. So he's trying to be athletic. He's trying to be academic. He's, you know, he's trying to compensate for the fact that his brother isn't there, um, and he feels that so much extra pressure on him as a result. He and he thinks that comes from his parents, although they kind of just want what's best for him. So. There's a communication breakdown there. So they don't... You know, there's a lot that goes unsaid in that family. And that feels very real to me. Um, talked in Black Lightning about how they have this kind of perfect family unit in a way where they just 
you know, they always speak their mind and they always resolve their issues head on. But the the fact that there's just kind of lingering issues that are allowed to fester, that's just reality. Um, the same applies to sort of Tandy's relationship with her mother as well. There's just things that are not talking about, and that's part of the problem. And it's kind of rare to see that because you sort of don't ever really get a resolution for that throughout by the end of the season. I mean, you get Tandy moving in with her mother, but I suspect that'll have extra problems next season. Um, and Tyrone starts to learn a bit more about his his dad's past, how he came from, you know, much more humble beginnings and so on. But still, there is, they're still not talking about everything. And now that he's on the run, they won't be able to, at least not for a while. I took it that because uh, nobody was ever charged for, for his brother's murder, um, yeah, then um, and, and Tyrone feels that like that part of his life hasn't ever ever, ever dealt with and can't can ever 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 be dealt because that he feels like he, he has to carry, carry that burden because as you mentioned them um, they don't, don't really, really talk about it. Yeah, uh, and and I think it is um, just just like a, a general fact um, that teenagers uh, tend tend to assume that their their parents um, un, uh, un, un, understand far far less than than they actually do. Yes, and and they feel that that there is there there isn't there isn't much point talking to them about something because because they they just they because they just won't get what 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 it is that they're talking about. Just a bit briefly on the the actors playing them. Um, Certainly, in the first for about the first half of the season, I thought Aubrey Joseph was not doing a very good job. He just seemed a bit bland and unengaged. You know, there was something about his performance that wasn't connecting with me. Um, I think that's maybe down to the fact that he's a relatively inexperienced actor, and it took him a while to settle into the character because he's definitely better than in the second half of the season than he is in the first half of the season. Um, I thought Olivia Holt was excellent from from minute one though I think she absolutely nailed whatever she needed to, to do for that character um, my only experience of Olivia Holt before this was a, a really really terrible film called Status Update uh, which if you haven't seen it is about a guy I've not seen that yeah it's about a guy who gets a magic app on his phone and uh, whatever <laughs> whatever he types in comes true yeah, it's like a magic social media what? app where, where whatever his status is comes true. So oh he, my use, God. he uses it for some horrendous things like being good at singing or, or whatever else. Um, it's kind of this, he's trying to fit in at a new school and this, <laughs> this is how he does it. It's absolutely dreadful. But she's in it. And um, yeah, I don't have much to say about her in that <laughs> film, but I thought she absolutely killed it here. I think she was, I think she's great in this in this role. Oh, I, I kind of felt that with... With with Orbe Joseph at the beginning of the series, you're, you're uh, less able to empathise with him just just because because he, he, he it was it was but uh, he was naturally uh, just a, a quite quite uh, quite an, an introverted character and he he wasn't uh, particularly expressive because he kept all of his thoughts and thoughts and feelings just just uh, uh, bottled beside himself because it seemed to feel like he, he didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't want to burden other people with with. With what he was going through, as as the series progressed, uh, yes, and and he was and he was starting to face his past, and in particular what happened to Billy, then he starts to realise that there isn't, there isn't anything to be gained from keep, from keeping it, everything to yourself, and uh, and so 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 he he starts becoming becoming uh, becoming, uh, becoming more, more becoming more expressive, and um, which 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 in turn allows you to get a, a better a better feel for the, for the character, and which also gives the gives the impression of of better. Acting on the part of the actor. Yeah, it could be that. 
I mean, for whatever reason, I just wasn't engaged with them for the first couple of episodes. Uh, I saw what they were trying to do with them and, and things like that, but I think... Yeah, she's definitely better of the two of them, I think, um, as act, as acting goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did, I did, I did really like her just because right from her initial appearance, uh, like you, you get, you get a, this, a very strong sense of who she is, and how she thinks and, and acts. You're better able to to get a feel for who for who she is as, as a character. Yeah, and the first couple of episodes certainly seem to be about her more than they are about him as well. You know, you've got this all these complications that that she needs to solve fairly quickly like um, after she's almost raped and stabs that guy she wants to skip town um, get away from everything um, as one example you know so you've got all, all that I think um, Tyrone's development in the first couple of episodes is a little bit more stilted you know there's there's still a lot going on you're still getting a sense of, of what it is he wants to achieve and things like that but the um but it seems like there's lower stakes for him, initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because uh, everything that's going on with him is like uh, is less immediate. Yeah, and doesn't uh, like doesn't doesn't need to be dealt with like right that instant, or things are going to go really wrong. Yeah. Whereas with Tan, like she, she constantly uh, needs to react and adapt to the, to, to the situation, just because just because because uh, everything is so fast and extreme for her. Yeah. And in terms of their powers, what do you think their powers actually say about them? I think because um, it's it's initially it seems weird that Tandy gets the ability to sort of see the best in people, since she always sees the worst in people. She's always assuming the worst in people. Um, I suppose Tyrone's it makes sense because he does want to escape from things. You know, he wants to wall himself off, so having the ability to just disappear um, makes a lot of sense for him. But for Tandy, it's like. It's almost like she has to grow into her powers. She has to see the better aspects of people in order to understand them. And then, you know, the, the fact that she can manifest daggers, she's always try, trying to lash out everything. She's always trying to attack everything. That makes sense. But the fact that she can see the better parts of people initially doesn't make sense. But as she develops, as she learns, she does sort of realise that the world isn't out to screw her. I, I took as as like powers that made them manifest. Uh, it, uh, it allowed them to to grow into a part of, a part of themselves that, that was missing as a result of the, the life that they've had. So so with Tandy, with her 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 being her being able to to see uh, p- uh, p- p- people's hopes, it allows her to see that people aren't just uh, just the scummy waste of space that like that that she automatically assumes that everybody will turn out to be and it lets her understand that the people aren't necessarily like one thing or the other then people have have, um, have have contradictions that aren't always immediately visible on the surface and with Tyrone I think with him being being able to see see people's fears uh, then because he, he's, he's effectively he's lived so much of his, so much of his life uh, basically afraid then him him being able to see what other people are afraid of. Um, it, it gives it gives him gives him some perspective. Lets him understand that that, that everybody has things that, that that they're afraid of. Yeah, and and him knowing that and him him knowing that being afraid of something uh, doesn't uh, uh, doesn't mean doesn't mean that there's something wrong with him. Is it? And it just it, so it just it just gradually allows him to understand that that's what that's what everybody's like. 
yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm and same with Tandy. It's just because it's it's not visible on on the surface. Then it doesn't mean that the, the people the people don't don't have those thoughts and feelings. Yeah, and the the fact that they sort of answer a need that the other has um, is developed quite frequently. Um, the one of the more interesting ones for me was the the sort of fantasy that they both saw from the other um, so when it, it was Tyrone was shooting Connors um, and it was kind of always end up the same way, it always end up with him in prison it was like, you know, when they both saw the both saw what they wanted to do and it was the you have to try something else um, realisation that they had to get to because they were stuck in this loop of what they wanted to, to keep doing to, to resolve that problem that would never actually work um, I forget what it was that that Tandy was thinking about at that point but Tyrone was there to demand or to suggest that she do something else um, and that po- at that point they both kind of come to a realisation that they yeah, what well, the way they're going about things is wrong and they both have to think differently so there's um, so there is that they, they do help each other see the, the other side of it but the funniest thing is they can't see that they're doing that thing wrong as well. They can sort of see it from a distance, but they can't see it internally. So there is, there are proper pairing in that sense that they just have to, like together they find the answer, um, where separately they can't see it, even though they, they recognise those same traits in the other. Well, that's uh, another example of 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 the other show seeming quite quite a bit more re- realistic. Uh, it's, it's quite a, quite a frequent thing that that people are. Are able to see the like, see see the, the faults and 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 flaws of of others, but, but have have far more difficulty in in recognizing our our own, our own issues and things that things about about our, ourselves that that need that need, need fixing and need adjustment. Yeah, and it quite often takes uh, other people pointing it out um how how we how we can adjust to to make things better for ourselves. I, I, in, in, a, in a way that we, we that we just that we just can't can't see see on our own. Yeah, so they're very much complementary in in that sense. They can just you know together once they they put their heads together, they f- start figuring things out. Although there's, I mean, their personalities will always get in the way because Tandy will always reject what you try to tell her that might be opposite to the way that she naturally thinks. Um, but inevitably, she just kind of realise it. Uh, I quite liked this, the stuff she was doing with uh, Mina, where she was just learning bits and pieces about her, well, about her father from a different perspective, but also learning about the about New Orleans as a place that she's part of and the problems that exist within it. And you know, obviously the the bees are disappearing, so that's a problem the, that keeps coming up in different things. Um, but the idea that the bees almost represent the the health of the city, don't they? You know, they're almost yeah. If if these die, the city dies. That kind of thing. But it's, but the the bee in that episode is used as a symbol of hope. Uh, that there is p- potentially hope as long as people don't lose sight of of trying to do good. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that metaphor is a little bit too simplistic. But and I think with Tandy because she's somebody who has ne- has never felt able to rely on on any, anybody else. Yeah. Then, then she's she's never felt. Never felt a part of something, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, 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 it's, it's like the the city is is just somewhere somewhere where she is. Is isn't something that she's an 
integral aspect of, along with the millions of other people. And, and I think that, that her eventually understanding that relying on, on other people is, isn't a isn't a problem or isn't isn't a sign of weakness. It like, is an integral part part of her growth and development. She has to learn compassion. She has to learn not to think only about herself. Uh, she has to. She has, she has to learn to be a hero. Basically, you know, it's a hero's journey. Uh, there is an episode towards the end. I think it's the ninth episode that is pretty on the nose about the hero's journey. You know, as in it, it frames it as a lesson at school where. Uh, it talks about regression. Okay, that's what you're going for, but you don't need to like. You don't need to spell it out by way of a, an academic, uh, lecture. You know, just uh, let me figure it out for myself that that's what's happening to that character at that point in their journey, rather than just telling me. It's, actually, actually, having it being being like explicitly, explicitly stated, it yeah. is, is like 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 this, 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 this is what is going on now. Yeah, that, that's what I call the Christopher Nolan problem. Explicitism. <laughs> You know, without uh, and then making people feel smart by the fact that they are able to listen to the dialogue and confirm that there is indeed symbolism. It's like, oh yes, Bruce Wayne—he he becomes a symbol, um, a symbol of the the good in Gotham by dressing as a bat. It's like, yes, I know he tells you that. That's what he's going to do, rather than you know, if you haven't you haven't uh, figured this out for yourself. That's what he's told you that he's doing. Um, that's just. It's a bit on the nose, um, but I suppose you're trying to cater for an audience that might not necessarily pick up on it because um, that episode it was, why is Tandy acting like her old self? It's like, well, because you know, any hope that she has for people has been shattered, so therefore she has to, or she feels like she has to go back to her old ways. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah, 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 because 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 the 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 one thing in her life that she actually believed in, her father, has been taken taken away from her, because so she just fe- feels that there there isn't any there isn't any, any any point in trying anymore. Yeah, and then it takes her the sum total of an entire episode to realize that. Hang on, nope, no, nope, I was wrong. Let's uh, get back on track here. And it's the same sort. Of Tyrone loses control of himself in that episode as well. You know, he picks a fight at school because he's just frustrated and he's kind of forgotten all the lessons about, no, 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 as black people we have to be more restrained than that, we have to be better than that because we won't get that second chance. And um, you've got that priest that's, the priest teacher guy that's, uh, that's trying to help him not throw his life away. And it's actually a, it's a good portrayal of like a priest type character in a, in a TV show. He's in no way trying to touch kids, so that's that's good. Yeah, well, heck, it is, it is, it is, a, is a good development. I mean, even if he is a, 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 apparently an alcoholic. Yes, yeah, and, well, we all have and, vices. Yeah, and, and also might have killed a kid. What well, wasn't too clear. At least he didn't touch them, though. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has his he has his issues, and I suppose that's a big part of why he is the way he is now. And and he realises about how crippling your mistakes could be, so that makes it valid from that point of view. Um, it's great getting these little insights into the characters as soon as they touch them and they go inside their heads as well. You know, the um, it, it lets them play around with structure and storytelling in, in ways that go outside the linear normal structure of the show, and I think mentioned it in, in previous podcasts, certainly when we talk about Legion, you know, they don't care about structure or anything like that. You know, it's nothing has to make sense. We can just go for it. It's fine. Um, because our show's framework allows for that. Whereas Cloak and Dagger, it's a bit more traditional in that sense. But 
the nature of their powers means that they can play around with it. So you can have a time loop um, because it's inside someone's head because it's established they can go into someone's head. So they had the time loop episode without actually having time repeat because <laughs> it was just the perception of that moment was repeating over and over again. Um, stuff like that. I love the way they, they played with that or, or some of the way that you saw um, what was going on in people's heads. I really liked the, the introduction of Peter Scarborough through how other people saw him. Um, and it was all they wanted to kill him. They wanted him to be like their slave or whatever else. <laughs> you know, everyone at Rocks on hates their boss. And yeah, who can't relate to that? I mean, uh, but it's, it was a great introduction for him. And then you do meet him, and it turns out, yeah, he is a scumbag. Right? <laughs> He's slightly more of a scumbag than the other scumbags that we've met from Rocks on so far this season. Just uh, going, I'll go back briefly to uh, about, about about time loop. Episode that you mentioned uh, that that also ties in with 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 what you're saying uh, about inevitability and as, as, and, and people and people f- people feeling trapped by circumstance uh, because um, Ivan uh, isn't able to see anything out with the situation that, that he's in then then he just just he just, like he just assumes that, that there, there's no, there's no end to it and it takes some outside pers- perspective to allow him to to break free of of the, the quite quite lit- literal cycle and I think that. That partly might have influenced Tandy and and Tyrone's ways of thinking of like, of uh, fe- feeling feeling trapped by circumstance, and and having to do something, do something different to get out of it. Yeah, well, Tandy gets herself stuck in that time loop herself because she gets to hear her dad's voice, um, and she sort of forgets that it's not real because she wants it to be real. So she's she talks to him even though it's only Ivan's perception of her father that that kind of comes through in that that moment so like the the realisation of um, hang on ask him a question that only he would know and it's like who's in the back seat with you and because Ivan didn't know that the perception of her father doesn't know that either so you know this voice knows that he has a daughter because Ivan knows that but nothing else so that it's it's not real but it's enough to to trap Tandy in that loop as well because that's what she's wanted she wanted for her entire life but it's yeah it's I mean it's weird that Ivan remembers baseball, but he doesn't remember his own name. It's a bit odd, but it was it was an interesting way to do the time loop concept because it kept it again as everything else is focused on the characters. And, and one of the problems with time loop episodes, is, in in general, is that they have they have have the potential to be to get really really boring and frustrating because because they are. By, by by nature and by definition, uh, quite 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 repetitive. Yeah, this was done uh, in, in in such a way that made it um, in in integral to 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 the developing story. So well, everybody knew it was a time loop immediately. So that that cut some of the the chaff off it. You know, Ivan immediately knew that he was in a loop. He was like, "This is what happens at this point." Then the phone rings, and then this happens, and then um, so that that helps. It really helps because you don't have the I've experienced this before. I think deja vu stuff that you know keeps cropping up. Uh, somebody will repeat a, a very distinctive line, like like, like that the, um, the, the audience could uh, recognise it as repetition, and, yeah. and the char- character will think, "Hang on a minute." Yeah. Yeah. So it, it laid the groundwork early on, and it was about the reggae explosion. It was kind of about the the details surrounding that. The obviously it reveals the. The Terrors, uh, as they call them, which is a really stupid name. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Um, they're just essentially zombies. 
Yeah, angry crazy, zombies. Crazy, crazy zombies. Yeah, who can hurl axes and stuff. Uh, that episode gives us the first fight sequence of the, the entire show, or the entire season. And it's, you know, inside their head. But it's, it's quite cool to see um, some teleporting to trip people up and Tandy tossing daggers about and stuff. Um, get a bit of that in the finale as well. Uh, but it's quite light on the combat, as, as to be said. Well, I think that was quite a quite a good thing. Is it allows you to focus more on characters than, than the action, and also uh, since it's quite late on that that they're seen uh, using using the, using their powers for for any any, any kind of any kind of combat. Um, yeah, then yeah, then 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 it means that that um that they they they've had they've had the chance to get to get used to them, and yeah um and. And test uh, the limitations of what what they're able to do, it's so so they they don't end up end up uh, looking like too capable too quickly. Yeah, I can't see the costume thing becoming a big part of this show. Uh, I, for some reason, Tandy doesn't seem like the type to cut about in a comic accurate costume. Uh, Tyrone has sort of two, although the the cloak thing because the excuse is it helps him control his powers. Um, so he has his brother's old cloak and then his brother's old hoodie, which is you know, a nice personal connection there. So that's the closest we get to the kind of costume thing. But I can't see Tandy cutting about in a white, you know, a white onesie, basically. Mm, no, nah, wouldn't wouldn't really fit with her character. No, it's it's really weird how uh, Tony Stark is very selective on what teenagers he'll try and recruit. The Avengers, because these guys would be quite useful as well. Yeah, well, yeah, well, because if 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 nothing else, like like uh, te- uh, teleporting is is all, all, always a useful power. Yeah, and somebody who who is who's um, able able to summon daggers from from thin air could always going to be useful in a fight. And uh, Tyrone could have told them what Thanos is afraid of. Indeed, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Tandy could have stolen his hope. There we go. I hope I get all these Infinity Stones. I'll, I'll take that. Gone. Problem solved. Boom. Done. Yeah. Uh, so some of the side characters. Um, there was a couple of major ones. You had Detective O'Reilly and Connors and Evita and her aunt. Um, her aunt, who's mostly an extension of her. I really liked O'Reilly. Um, she's sort of unconventional. She's trying to make waves. She, for some reason, takes drugs. Because, you know, why not? Um, and then she gets killed. Or not. Well, definitely not killed, but... Um, Apparently killed. Yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I liked what her character brought to it. I like that she kind of was on Tandy's side early on. Um, encouraged her to fight the, the attempted rape. Um, always believed her. Wanted to help Tyrone. Was kind of in on the whole, the whole thing and wanted to do the right thing. And really hated Connors, who is a slimy guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just such a horrible, horrible human being. He even looks like somebody like like that like you, that you want you want to steer, steer clear of. Yeah. Um, so, what did you think of O'Reilly? Oh, I I I, I really really liked her. I'm really quite glad that she was a significant character and not somebody who just cropped up every 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 now and then. And I especially liked the the the, the way that the, she was introduced because it's, it's it's quite some time um, before she ever actually said anything. Because is in her introductory scenes, um, like she's she's just seen watching and and kind of observing. You can like practically hear her like uh, making notes in her head about about, about the people and the situations. Mm. So right from the off, you get the impression that uh, 
um, that she is she's somebody who is a, a more thoughtful about about things and and less prone to, like to, to like to, to dive into, into situations without thinking. Well, at least in the beginning. Yeah. And then her boyfriend dies, and all bets are off. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's after her her boyfriend is uh, quite literally fridged. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it happens to men too, apparently. Exactly. Yes. It's just far less frequently. Yeah. They um they unfortunately named Officer Fuchs, who is so easy to misspell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So. She, I think the way that she blended into the dynamic between um, Tandy and Tyrone was was good. The fact, yeah, the fact that she was their kind of go-to cop, she was the eyes of the police, which helps because otherwise it could. I mean, you you always get in these shows the kind of the the authoritative element of yeah we're trying to chase down these vigilantes or whatever, but we're not at that stage yet um, where they are acting as vigilantes. It looks like season two might be. Um, a bit more of that but at this stage there's just two teenagers that are embroiled in something that they can't quite understand and neither can she so you've got, you know, she's able to put, make some noise about the whole Roxanne situation but for the most part she's on about the Connors side of things and Connors is like the definition of corruption um, I think he's quite one note in a lot of ways but I don't think he was supposed to be complicated I think he was just supposed to be an obstacle that that hangs around and then he weirdly gets absorbed which I'm not so sure about uh, where that's going to go but um, yeah he was just a terrible person I think him getting absorbed it was um, it, like, it was it was done I, as, as, as a way of, of having Tyrone like, I, I, I'm able to uh, able able to able to pers- personally defeat him um, but yeah but in such a way that avoided having to kill him yeah so I suspect he'll um, come and, back. No, oh, almost undoubtedly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because because that's because that, that's generally just uh, generally what happens when like, when 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 a character is is written out in, in any way other than death. Yeah. Or sometimes even even if they're even if death. Yeah. Um, I was going to say there is no way that people come back from the death and the dead in this show, but yeah, they do um, because it happens to O'Reilly at the end. Um, she's going to be a character called Mayhem. Uh, in season two, so and that's her comic book character. So that's kind of her origin story. Is this season? Turns out she just kind of gets shot and f- um, blasted by a pipe and falls into some water, and that, that's her origin story. I'm not exactly sure what her original origin story was, yeah. but, um, but yeah, seems all right. I'm assuming like the that like the that there was uh, some, some some kind of dodgy chemical in in that in that pipe. Like Is that the, like the, dark the, energy she's stuff? Kind of breathing yeah. or you know, yeah, she, she like kind of become saturated with and yeah, it's like 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 uh, brought her brought her brought her back from death as as like a vigilante nutter. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, in terms of the Connor stuff, it's there was parts of it that showed just how deeply corrupted the system that they're trying to deal with is. Like once, even when he sort of has the well, even when he confesses to the murder. Um, and so yeah we'll investigate it we've got some new information we'll look into it and then he's just out by the next episode it's just not resolved at all because because it is so corrupt and there's nothing they can actually do to him because that's the system yeah 
it's like, oh yeah, okay, he gets to kill a kid and then we'll have a quick look into it and then we'll just let him go anyway because whatever. Even though he's like Did, running in the yep. drug yeah, market, so to speak. Well, I think, think uh, just because he, his, uh, he was just like a uh, representative of like, everything everything that, that that's, that's wrong with, like, with the system of law enforcement then sometimes it almost seemed like he didn't actually have, have a have a character of, of his own there were certain lines of dialogue where, where where he was practically stating like how, how futile it is trying to trying to do anything about it because this is just the way that things are yeah yes and trying and trying to change it won't, won't get you anywhere yeah which is kind of a it's a grim prospect to think about for a superhero tv show yeah the, the system's screwed and you can't fix it so don't even try. So like, oh great, I'll just uh, I'll just use my powers for for evil then. Might as well. Um, Evita, she was a she was actually a really interesting character. I think um, you know, given Tyrone a a, a girlfriend outside of, of Tandy before Tandy is, because obviously that's where it'll inevitably end up. Uh, based assuming that they're going to mm, end yeah. up the comics, you know, to to some degree, but um, so she helps him. She helps him come out of his shell a bit. She gives him someone of his own age to talk to. Uh, she understands him. I like the kind of thing about the I pay attention. So she understands that he's he's going through some stuff. Then makes him take a mystical bath. Um, which, you know, no one's ever <laughs> asked me to do that. Which strikes me as strange behaviour, but it kind of works in this in this context. Um yeah, so yeah, maybe you just have, haven't met the right girls. That's maybe it. Yeah, it could be. Uh, mystical baths—they're—they're they're all all the rage these days. That's what the kids are doing these days. Uh, she's one of those again. Every teenager in shows like this is pretty precocious, so she's wise beyond her years. She's got, she's got all this knowledge, all this emotional maturity. Uh, but she was. She was a good character. I think she bounced off um, Tyrone really well, and her ties to the kind of voodoo mysticism were were interesting enough. I mean, I think I said in my reviews. I don't know how sensitive they were about the voodoo mysticism and how how good the portrayal it was. Um, I thought it was fine in the context of the story that they were telling, but there could be a bunch of voodoo practitioners out there that might be deeply offended by this. I don't know. I could have researched it. But who knows? Uh, what did you think of the voodoo mysticism in the portrayal of it? I, th- I thought it was an, an interesting inclusion, uh, just because uh, so much of the of the show was was it was intended to to tie to tie with like, with the with reality in the everyday world. Yeah, yeah then, then to to introduce this spiritual aspect to it, it did at first like it seems it seems a little, a little bit of a, of a kind of jarring contrast, but uh, because voodoo like is. Um, is is such an integral aspect of um, of, of of history of, of New Orleans, and including it seemed like seemed like a way of of giving character to the actual city and specifically grounding grounding story like in like in in, in this location to show that like that, that it, it needed to happen here because is because it, it it wasn't a story that, that could have taken place anywhere else. Yeah, and the thing is, it is a comic book universe, so it is ostensibly set within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so it could be that. Um, you can sort of apply a scientific explanation to it. Um, her aunt has some kind of latent precognitive ability that she's able to tap into. 
something like that. You know, some kind of latent psychic ability that she's not aware of. Um, or is aware of, but doesn't understand where it comes from, that kind of thing. So you don't really have to think about it too much in terms of the origins of these things, because it is a comic book universe that's already introduced all sorts of other stuff. Uh, so the important thing is if it works within the, the context of the story, and I think the idea they wanted to set up that divine pairing idea, and then you have all these examples of how two people have saved New Orleans in the past uh, at different key points, and now it's time for that to happen again. The only difference is this time nobody dies, which I wasn't really sure about. Um, I'm not sure what they did differently to counter that, or whether we've still got to get to that point. I, I, I took it to mean that, like, like, the, like the, the reason the, the Tandy and Tyrone were were, like, were able to able to avert the disaster without one of them dying was because of what of what, of what Roxanne were, were were doing. Um, um like, like it's like like the like the Kind of like chemicals and, 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 and energy in the water. It was it was a mixture of uh, light, light and shadow because they each got one one aspect of it. Um, and then they weren't able able to be separated for like from the cause of the disaster because they, they were they were both intrinsically linked to it. Uh, during the climax, there was there was those like uh, uh, line Tandy has about their mojo being 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 mixed up. Mm-hmm. Perhaps because it was like of of her refusal to to accept that Tyrone needed to die that they were they were able able to avert it. Yeah, I suppose the difference is they knew about the concept of the divine pairing, whereas previous iterations of them didn't. They just acted based on what their their knowledge was. Um, but they were kind of forewarned, so maybe that, that was enough in order for them to prevent the death of one of them. Or maybe there are consequences that we don't know about yet. I mean, I'm pretty sure this won't end with one of them dying, because you have a show about two people, and so I don't think they're going to kill off one of them. Uh, but there could be deeper consequences to it. And I suppose you could, if you have the kind of metaphoric death, I mean, Tyrone loses everything as a result of, of the events of this season. You know, he's, he's lost the ability to wander around free, he's lost the ability to live with his family, he's lost, he's lost his life in that sense. So it could be a figurative death. Hmm. Possibly, I did quite like like the idea of of the of the divine pairing. Though I felt that like the ultimate explanation of, of what it actually was like was was a little bit rushed because just like having having all, all, all of the stories like in, in the final episode about about the previous pairings. Yeah. Um. I just I just I feel I feel it, it might have been better if I, if if those stories had had been spaced out like th- like th- 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 throughout the series. Would uh, would have uh, portrayed like, the like the, the history of of the, of the of the city as well as the disasters that the pairings have averted. I would also um, have have made the, the the idea of one of them needing to die. Uh, it it seems a bit more tangible if you had uh, witnessed all the times that this, this had happened. Yeah, instead of just sort of chucking it in at the last minute and and expecting us to deal with it. Yeah, I agree. It was a little bit rushed. Um, I thought the finale itself was a bit of a mess when you compare it to the rest of the season being so deliberately paced and everything, they just kind of rushed to this conclusion point. Um, I don't I don't know what happened there. I don't know why they just suddenly decided to go hell for leather and let everything just try and resolve itself in one episode, but um, it felt contrary to the, the nine episodes of really solid build-up up to that point. It's like, now suddenly there's zombies everywhere and we have to deal with this right now. And we have to turn some valves, and now let's hold hands, and 
shoot some energy into the air and blah blah blah. Skybeam! Yeah. It's a skybeam, yay, yeah. on television now. I think the, the problem with that was it was because the, the writers like had had the idea of, of what was going on and why why it was happening. Well I don't think that they, 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 they realised that that the that the way that it was being portrayed uh, what what wasn't wasn't clear enough. Like to, to, yeah. to properly get across what what, what was happening and, and, and why it was happening. And I suspect season two will have to pick up the thread of one of you didn't die. Because they made such a big deal out of it. You know, and they made a big deal out of the connection to the kind of mystical aspect of it that it is going to have to be something that, that is further explored. And I think it will be because it's... It's establishing itself as one of the central pillars that the show builds itself around, so it will need to be addressed. Yes, so the idea that one of them didn't die has has created it created some kind of cosmic Im- imbalance. Yeah, which uh, which uh, needs to be resolved somehow. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know how it gets resolved, but or or even if it is a problem, or it could just be, well, that's never happened before. Now we don't know what the future will bring. You know. Or could be, as I suggested, that they were wrong about the testing point of the Divine Pairing. So it could be that whatever the events of the, the season are weren't it, and there's something bigger coming that they'll need to deal with. Um, That's also a good point, yeah. Yeah. It'd be funny if uh, Thanos's uh, <laughs> ministrations de- gets rid of one of them, anyway. Tyrone vanishes in a pile of dust, as an example. I'm, I'm guessing that they'll do the same thing that they that they did with with the with the Netflix series and just quietly ignore the whole Thanos snap thing because um other, otherwise it would it would just, uh, make things needlessly complicated. Yeah, and this show is actually set in the Netflix verse as well. Because um, yeah, yeah. um, O'Reilly talks about her friend Misty from New York. Yeah, 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 and yeah, and, and there was like an, an episode of Luke Cage where it was mentioned about uh, O'Reilly transferring to New Orleans. All right, and so the the reference goes the other way. Yeah, like, uh, I haven't seen that episode of Luke Cage because I can't bring myself to watch season two of Luke Cage. <laughs> just you know, there's nah, just don't want to do it. Um, but fair enough. And uh, so yeah, so this is set in the Netflix universe that ignores. <laughs> ignores the wider just ignores everything yeah well the Roxxon has been also has been mentioned in the films as well um, Roxxon are your standard evil corporation I don't think that much of them I think it'd be impossible for them to be an actual business considering how much nonsense they've been embroiled in over the years yeah yeah but they're, they're also they're the kind of evil corporation that we just accept has to exist like mm. to like to to, cre- to create these these like like, like like weird and histrionic apocalyptic dangers yeah let's hire an assassin that's fine Um, you've got a CEO who's just clearly an evil, well he's not an evil genius but he's evil, pure evil Um, employees that are just all self-centred douches that care about nothing else but money all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, basically, all 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 things which, um, which would strongly strongly suggest that that, uh, that, that there's no way such a company could actually function. Yeah, they would be under constant investigation because there's not something. I think it was in Iron Man three. It was some kind of oil tanker or something um, that exploded. Have they been mentioned in Agents of Shield? I feel like they have. 
possibly. I can't. I can't recall any specific instances. Yeah, but I feel like that's a thing. I don't know if I can't remember if they've been mentioned in the Netflix shows. Maybe. I think they have. Um. Again, I'm not not sure. I'm sure, they were brought up in Iron Fist. I don't know, but they're. Yeah, they're your standard evil corporation. Um, nothing all that nuanced to them. It's just all this stuff that has their name emblazoned on it keeps blowing up and causing all these problems. Um, and it turns out, oh yeah, it's because we didn't care enough about safety restrictions or all, any of that stuff. Why would we? You know, it's not as if any of these things are actually audited by <laughs> external agencies or anything like that. You know, um it is, yeah, it is what it is, I suppose. I think um, Peter Scarborough was pretty dull as a villain because he was exactly what you would expect someone of like that to be. Yeah, there's, there's like absolutely no nuance whatsoever. Yeah, no moral compass whatsoever. Just, I'm evil and want to make money. Like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. yeah like, 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 moustache to twirl, but he's... I was just going to say, if you had a moustache to twirl it. <laughs> yeah. So that's... Yeah, that is what it is. I wonder if um, Roxon will continue to be a function in season two. Judging by the trailer, it looks like they're going after kind of organised crime. Um, which, you know, should be uh, should be easy enough for a couple of teenagers. Yeah, no hassle. Bring down organised crime families. No problem there. Can't see how that will go wrong. So the the last thing I, I guess we'll we'll talk about is... Are there any ties, other ties to the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe? Um, I don't think that there are beyond the Misty Knight reference. There's also the reference, well, Roxxon, obviously, they're a force that exists in the other the other stuff. But I don't think there's anything else. There's the Stan Lee painting, the Andy Warhol-style Stan Lee painting uh, that was in the background of um, something. It was... Oh, it was uh, when Tandy went back to her old ways. And it was in like that, that guy's apartment. Uh, that's it. That's yeah. all I can think yeah. of. Um, that's, that's just more because because they just they just need some kind of Stanley presence in in every Marvel thing because that's a tradition now. Yeah, despite the fact that he had absolutely yeah. nothing yeah. Yeah. to do yeah. with those yeah. characters. At least I don't think he did. It's, uh, but it's the it's the kind of thing that's expected. It's like when he turns up in Venom. Yeah, yeah, like he, doesn't, he didn't make Venom. Yeah, Stanley wasn't writing comics by then. But yeah, it's a, it's a requisite thing. He even turns up in DC stuff. You know, looking at you, Teen Titans, go to the movies. <laughs> yeah. Was there any other references? Yeah, just- nothing I noticed, actually, no. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, the thing like, by, well, it was, by and large, like, it's its own self-contained thing. Yeah, more or less. So that, and just, just, just like I didn't, didn't, didn't feel the need to, to tie, tie itself to the larger mythos just for the sake of it. Yeah, um, the TV division and the film division t- continue to be separated, um, which is it's something that we just have to deal with. So season two soon. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to season two. Um, look, it looks like they're building up the team dynamic or the group dynamic the pairing dynamic by having them work together on vigilante tasks so I'm looking forward to seeing a bit of that uh, seeing what different directions it takes uh, it'll be interesting to see how they explore the kind of flip between, with uh, Tyrone being the, the one separated from his family and Tandy being trying to rebuild a relationship with her mother um, all that kind of stuff I think that's, 
it's good that they've changed up the status quo a bit for season two, by the looks of things, but also kind of kept it similar-ish. So I think it'll just grow from here. I think the, the characters will grow together as a as a pairing, um, and sort of figure out a rhythm and in terms of what they they stand for and what crimes they want to avert and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think it'll be a very different portrayal of like a superhero thing once they once they get going, and um, that's cool because we've got a lot of this. You know, I'm going out to patrol because I feel like it's good. I quite like the we have a defined purpose here and we're going to go for it sort of approach. And I, I like that it looks like season two is going to be developing from from the from the events of season one and and, and the, uh, not not just not just uh, going to be going to be, going to be repeating themselves but yeah but. Yeah, but I'm but sure that that, um, that that there are there are repercussions and consequences of 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 the, of the choices that that people make, because other, other, otherwise it would um it would likely uh, very very quickly get 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 a get get a bit a bit boring. Yeah. So on that note, I'm going to go sharpen my light dagger, and. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it after that, but after it's sharp, it'll be it'll be used for something. Uh, and I, I shall, I shall, I shall just uh, hide, hide underneath my, cl- my cloak and and uh, brood for a bit. It's just looking a normal very, day, though. Looking all moody and dramatic. Yeah, so very much. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Um, cool. So thanks for joining on this discussion of uh, cloak and dagger, and we'll maybe we'll do something for season two. I don't know what. Although I'll be continuing to review it, even though it's on on a Friday and I've already got two things on a Friday. So that's nice. Thanks, universe, um, for ruining my weekend uh, with extra stuff to do. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, So that's it. Your sacrifice is an inspiration to us all. Yeah. Um, It should be. (laughs) Is all I can say. So... Thank you for joining. You can go off and uh, brood in your anytime. Your uh, unwashed hoodie now. And uh, yeah, actually, I might might take a bit of wash first. No, no, it's uh, it has to be unwashed. It has to be unwashed because otherwise, what's the point? True. (laughs) It has to be be be, be far, far, far less meaningful and dramatic. Indeed. And uh, far less pungent. Hey, thank you for joining. Thank you for being here. Until next time. So that was our discussion of season one of Cloak and Dagger. Thanks to YouTuber Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do rate us and leave a comment because we need the love. We're also on Spotify. How great is that? If you want to discuss Cloak and Dagger or anything else, then please do hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we hope you'll be there with us on the next Neil Before part. <laughs>